Hey, it's Lisa, and we're excited to bring you episode number five of Nashville on the Rocks. Our guest this week is an accomplished guitar player, songwriter, engineer, and producer. He's a solo artist, but also collaborates in tours with some heavy hitters spanning multiple genres, including chart-topping country artists Jody Messina and new metal pioneers Jonathan Davis and Ray Luzier of the groundbreaking band Korn. Here he is, our friend Chris Nix. Oh my God. Okay, Chris, I am so excited to have you on Nashville on the Rocks. Thank you so much for coming in. This has been a joy. We've had you on the books now for a few weeks. I've been really looking forward to this. So Finally. Yes. So thank you so much for making time today to come in. Thanks for having me. Thanks Hell for the yeah. invitation. Of course. Okay. So um, I sent you a few questions and I just wanted to get started. But the first thing I like to ask people when they come on, because I feel like this really gives me a, a chance to kind of, you know, just jump point from here and like kind of get it in my head. But what was the first rock album you bought? Uh, Led Zeppelin Four. Hell all right. Okay. Pinch my own money. Yeah, that was the, um, I'd gotten... Um, like Kiss Alive 2 and Rock and Roll Over for Christmas. And that following year, I, you know, in a little turntable. So that following year, I really wanted to let's up on four. So I saved up lawnmower money. And That's awesome. Lawnmower yeah. money, huh? <laughs> yeah, cut of grass. Yep. So I got my first guitar, too, actually. What? Seriously? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, the things $15. For, for the guitar? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! Okay, it took three weeks to get the money to go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if you it wasn't a booming lawn business, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so but Led Zeppelin Four band, Led Zeppelin's one of my favorite like classic rock bands. I didn't really appreciate is, them, yeah. yeah, so much until I was like maybe like I don't know twenty or so, and then I just completely fell in love with them. Maybe I was like a little older; it might have been like twenty-two. But that is so cool. So, what was your first concert? Well, your first rock concert. Your first rock concert, I, there are two, really, because there's rock concert in the arena type of thing. And that was Kiss in 1977. Okay. Um, I was six or seven years old. My aunt took me. And, your uh, aunt took you? Yeah. Where along were your with parents? her daughter, cousin. Yeah. Okay. Well, my dad, my dad's very cool. Um, I, anyway, so we, we saw him at the Carolina Coliseum in Columbia, awesome. South Carolina. And Tom Petty opened for him. Oh, that's Ooh. that's interesting. Yeah, and I remember this clearly because maybe it wasn't seventy seven, might have been seventy eight. Anyway, uh, I'm sure the historians watching will <laughs> know what year that was. But I remember as a kid seeing a guy with like straight blonde hair and granny glasses and a top hat, thinking, "Who's this guy?" You know, that's this, funny. It's wild. Yeah, that's crazy. That's yeah. one of those situations where I feel like that another again. One of those people I wouldn't see on the bill. I wouldn't. Well, the picture. funny thing about that was that later I got to know Stan Lynch, who was the drummer in Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and uh, he said I was told him that story, and he said, "Yeah, that tour sucked." I'm like, "What? You know, just stands yeah. like that?" And I said, "What do you mean?" And he said, "Well, first of all, you're playing your whole show with another band's logo hanging over you, <laughs> you know." <laughs> and the other thing was, you know, he said, the, but I did get a valuable lesson from Gene Simmons. We were playing like in Albuquerque or something. And he said he walked into this uh, bar across from the hotel they were staying in. 
and they had roped off the pool room in the back for Gene and his security guy. So he went back in there with them, and uh, he goes, Gene, what are we doing playing here? Mm-hmm. And Gene goes, son, play your secondary markets, and they'll buy your records for years. And he was like, okay. I know everything I need to know about Gene Simmons now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, businessman. So, yeah. yeah, seriously. That makes sense. That's kind of crazy. Well, Dan's first concert was... Journey, yeah. Journey, Journey and... and uh, you remember that bill with Brian Adams, Cuts Like a Knife, and... Uh, yeah, I think it was Journey. That's also like two people note, I would never expect to be on a Frontiers bill. Frontiers record, I think it was. Yeah. Remember that? I don't know, 1980 or 81. Something like that. Oh, he's such a nice Canadian. I love uh, Brian Adams. Yeah, he's good. So, okay. His so, guitar player's great. Yeah, well, I mean. Keith is awesome. Oh, you know Keith? I don't know him, no. Okay. No, I just, that's the only name I can remember. Keith, I forget his last name now. Well, it's but, funny. Yeah, I like him a lot. He's it, great. It's funny because I'm thinking of him, you know, like being the main guitar player. And I was like, oh, of course he's got another guitar player. Why wouldn't he? Um, right over my head. So, uh, yeah. So, getting back to the whole, like, uh, first like rock concerts like i've said this a thousand times you and dan and a few other guests that we've had on you guys really grew up during the best times of like rock music i I feel like a lot of my favorite bands were definitely playing there you know i mean Mm -hmm. it, it was very cool i mean that said you know when uh you know i saw king's x for six dollars at in Atlanta, you know, at the Cotton Club, when I moved there, I was like 19. You know, that's crazy. Um, and that was the year that It's Love was out. You know, okay. so that was their probably their biggest. Mo- I don't know, maybe Dogman. I don't know, but you know, so there were like different peaks mm-hmm. of of things that were awesome. But there was definitely um, a lot of really great rock around at the time. I loved Queen. Yeah. You know, and uh, I only just found out they're playing here. In oh really? October today. Yeah, I just found out today. The tickets are gone. So. Yeah, they're gone. <laughs> of they're course gone. they are. They're gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that happens a lot to me in Nashville when I turn around and somebody oh, tells man. me something. Every time. Yeah. yeah, and then then that's what it is. Or they're like, "Oh, well, you're we're on. I'm on a waiting list right now, and I can't even get in." I'm like, "Waiting list? Since when did that happen?" It's a totally different world out there. So I always like to think that um, you guys had you know the less technology but like more like experiences well that that's actually the other first concert that was the first real show i ever saw this is kind of in with what you're saying Mm -hmm. this sort of proves your point i grew up in augusta georgia and every year they had um the savannah river raft race the augusta jam you know where they would have all these bands so my first show ever seeing in real life was uh, the Dixie Dregs, Atlanta Rhythm Section, and Mother's Finest okay. all playing together, which are still three of my favorite bands. But, you know, finding that level of anything is impossible. And uh, I remember thinking at the time, oh, that's you just have to be that good. <laughs> right. I just thought that was the standard. You know, oh, there's, yeah. okay, so here's the line. Mm-hmm. You have to be here. You mm-hmm. have to be this tall to play rock and roll, <laughs> you know. And, uh, so yeah, that had a huge effect on how how I approach you know practicing and all that stuff. You know, yeah. sort of the standards of what um, you, you kind of like set a high bar for yourself and not even realize it. They right? set a yeah. really high bar. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, okay. And then you have to be that. It's your first impression, and then mm-hmm. it's like that's what you stick with. You know, right? It gets it imprinted on you, and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know? and that totally so. makes sense in that mm-hmm. sense. 
So being that you're from Georgia, uh, what was it like growing up for you in that area? Like, is it a big music? Is Augusta a big music place? It's interesting because um, yes and no. Mm. Um, there were acts like that that would come through. And with the dregs, they all sort of started there. Steve Morse grew up, you know, through his youth in there. And uh, so... And we all knew that, you know, growing up, and that was sort of a badge of honor. Steve Morse is from here, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, great player. James Brown, you know, all that stuff. So, I mean, yeah. I, I played, I jammed with like, guys from James Brown's band, you That's know, in this so jazz cool. club, at, you know, in uh, Le, Le Café du Tau. And uh, so, yeah, there was a pretty high standard with a lot of the things that were going on. But the, the scene was always weird because it was a lot of cover stuff, you know. And I wasn't really interested in mm -hmm. trying to be the best Van Halen cover band or the best whatever. You know, right. I had friends that loved it and they still do and have fun. But I was more interested in, you know, I grew up painting as well as playing guitar. And so for me, music and art, they're all the same thing. Music is art, yeah. right? And so for me, writing music was the same thing as painting, you know, coming up with new things and sure. sounds and all that stuff. So, um, so yeah, it 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 didn't really work with my idea of what I needed to do with with what I wanted to do. Anyway, oh, yeah. I got really lucky though. There was uh, when I was about seventeen or eighteen, I guess. Uh, I found out that Eric Johnson was playing at this local sort of regional club, mm -hmm. and uh, so I called cold called the club owner and just said, "Hey, you should let me open for Eric Johnson." And he's like, who the fuck are you? you know? <laughs> but he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. He'd kind of heard me or whatever. And uh, he said, I should, huh? And I said, yeah. And he said, let me call you back. So he calls me back about 20 or 30 minutes later. I found out later what he did was called two or three of the older guitar players around 10 and said, who's this next kid that, oh you know, God. and should I let him open? And they're all like, yeah, you should totally let him do it. So, you know, thanks to Jerry Ernest and Steve Mitchell and Jeff Jordan and those guys. But, um, so I had three weeks to, to write a set of material and get a band. I didn't even have a band. Seriously? But, but they offered to pay me $300 for the gig. Yeah. So, so you're going to make a band. I made a band because $150 in whatever year that was for right. a musician you right. know, was a lot of money. So I just split that money between the drummer and the bass player. Sure. But they had to do exactly what I told them to do, <laughs> you know. So I made no money on it. And... uh which was fine because we opened for them and it was yeah. a musician's audience. You know, we played in front of, I don't know, five, 600 people. Oof. And after that night, then I was kind of allowed to do my own thing, you know. I feel like that that would be a very challenging audience for for anything. A, a musician's audience with like a bunch of people in the crowd that like other musicians and people that are It's a trip, yeah. you know. It is a trip. It, it's, Especially you know, when you're that young. Yeah, I had a... Uh, a writer friend of mine used to call it the sea of folded arms. You know, when he would come to one of those shows, you know, like I know exactly you what know. you're talking about. <laughs> you know, yep. We're waiting for you to impress us. Yes, you know? everybody's just so. perched, and they may not, they may not like really think they may not even be really thinking that, but it certainly looks intimidating it's enough. Certainly, yeah, yeah, and you definitely feel yeah. that way. You know, yeah. Um, at the same time, though, it was the, the the only person that made me nervous was my dad. Okay. You know, and he was at that gig. You know, he mm -hmm. didn't come to he came to a lot of them actually, but uh, he was the only person I ever felt nervous playing. And he's not a musician. Oh, you know, really? He loves music, but he he's not a musician. But it just 
Sure. You know, Steve Morse leaning on my amp while I'm playing or Eric or whatever, you know, it, it, <laughs> no problem. Right. You can only do what you can do. But, you know, my dad is like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> so is your family like when you started playing guitar, you know, I know you mentioned that you started playing guitar when you were three. Mm-hmm. So who gave you your first guitar? I have a picture of the moment, actually. It was Christmas morning, um, I think 1972 or three. Mm hmm. Um, I got it for Christmas. Santa Claus brought it to me. And it was a little, you know, tiny beginner guitar. That's you know? awesome. And, uh, yeah, so, man, there's a picture of me and, you know. <laughs> did you uh, did you get lessons or did someone in your family teach you? No. So I'm, I'm left-handed. Mm-hmm. And I tried to go to someone to learn when I was about seven or eight years old. Uh, I wanted to take lessons and kind of I, – I could play, but I wanted – I wanted to know what I was doing. Yeah. And, uh, so I went to take lessons with this guy, and um, he tried to talk me into like flipping the guitar right-handed and mm-hmm. string. You know, it's odd. Uh, man. Uh, you know, it's well, I, honestly, I, I'll tell you the truth. I, any left-hander that I know that has never played, and they're talking to me about advice for playing, I always tell them try to play right-handed if you can, if you can get comfortable with it, because. Mm. Steve Morse is left-handed. My buddy Will Rodriguez is left-handed. Like, there are all these amazing left-handed guys that no mm-hmm. one knows they're left-handed because they play yeah. right-handed. Um, but I, it just, by then, I'd been playing long enough that it just felt uncomfortable. Sure. You know? So that scared me off of lessons. Oh, I have to conform? Ah. Oh, that's not going to happen. You know, it, it, I still had that even then. You know, ah. like, you know. The little bit of the rebellious? Yeah. Well, yeah I can't it's really kind of, it's got to be like putting on shoes backwards like left on the right like it's, it's got to feel really awkward it is very awkward uh, pick up one of my guitars sometimes <laughs> and try to play it left-handed it's it's weird i i can't even wrap my head around that like it just would be completely backwards man like the picking hand and your chord hand i just don't see how anybody can flip but they do i guess when they're young maybe yeah maybe no, that's I, it yeah and i think some people are you know a little bit ambidextrous they can do a little both especially especially when you're left-handed you're well, kind of pushed well, to do it's true mm-hmm. yeah we do use both hands more often than than a right-handed person would tend to or righty as i like to call them nah. um <laughs> but uh you know it's a funny thing most of the people that um if you've never played something it all everything feels awkward when you yeah. you know if i sit down to a drum kit or something it's it's a little awkward no matter right. which direction things are set up so it really is kind of i mean a really good buddy of mine um who i mentioned a minute ago one of the guitar players in town steve mitchell he's left-handed but he plays albert king style with the high e on top okay because the guitar in their house was strung right-handed and oh. that's just what he started fiddling around with and so that's how he learned right you know? um so I, mm. I think it's all just a matter of that the reason I tell people that if they are interested in playing and they haven't committed to a dexterity yet uh, to try and learn right-handed, just the availability of guitars. Okay, yeah. You know, that there are sense. so many wonderful guitars out there that are absolutely of no use to me <laughs> because <laughs> oh, it you know, sucks. Yeah, that does suck. Right? You would think that there would be more. Yeah, I've been trying to make up for lost time with that though. So. No, I yeah. mean that, that's a cool experience. Uh, just knowing i mean that's a cool story like knowing like how someone who's a lefty would go through that um dan's dan's friend matt matt farley who well, yeah, plays he's, drums. Left-handed yeah too. he's left-handed yeah. does he play guitar left-handed too? he does yes he does babe oh. Oh. he's a lefty all right so he's a lefty through and through 
Yep. Okay. Yes. Yeah, we commiserate quite often about keeping being kept down by the man with the right hand. <laughs> right. <laughs> you like poor nobody. Lefties. No poor lefties. <laughs> you, you know, when I was bartending, there was, there was. Well, I still am, but I was when I was working at Acme Forever. There was a few bartenders that we had hired, and it seemed like all of a sudden we had a bunch of left-handed bartenders, which never has made a difference to me, except that when I, when they would set up the bar. I've ne- I've only met people that have set up the bar a certain way, mm-hmm. and with these guys, it was all flipped. Every single one of them, and I was like, "Are you left-handed?" And they're like, "Yeah." I'm like, "This is very new for me. Like, I've been doing this for like see how it feels seventeen big? years, yeah. and I've never like worked <laughs> with other people that have like swapped everything like this." So, um, yeah, there was at least three people I worked with. I was like, "Do you mind if you're you're getting off shift now? If I just move this around?" They're like, "You know," I'm like, "I can't function." Like. Can't even, but it was. I just remember so distinctly, like everyone. They're like, "Yeah, I'm left-handed," and I was like, "And you've always bartended like this." They're like, "Yeah," I'm like, "That's interesting." I was like, "All right, power to you guys." You know, whatever. So yeah, that's just what you know. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was interesting, but um, okay. So going back a little bit to growing up in Augusta, <coughs> and like you're playing and taking instruments. Well, I mean, you took lessons for a little bit, but pretty much you're self-taught. Yeah. Oh no, I didn't take any lessons. All it right. stopped at the one lesson where he tried to make me play right-handed. And like, yeah, that's not going to work for me. You're like, I'm not going to do that. Talk to Jimi Hendrix and Paul McCartney. <laughs> right. <laughs> it worked for, for them for you know? sure. So why? And, wait, what, what is it about lefties? And there's just so many badass lefties, that's man. True. Well, I mean, when you're a left-handed guitar player, you're usually a badass. I you think it's uh, most of the ones I know that are left-handed are pretty great. I think it has to do with perseverance. You know, you have to really love it to overcome the that 25 percent upcharge you know <laughs> man uh, i can see that but seriously i really do think that it you have to be pretty determined and i think that's part of it i don't i don't know if it's necessarily a physiological function hmm. of left-handedness left i like brain, to think that we're right superior brain. so we can go with that if you want <laughs> but i do think that it's Put a lot it of a it sticker. is just having a yeah, yeah. i think you it, guys got uh, the know, edge yeah, some that's, edge. That's it. It's the what the whole right left brain thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, so like coming. Well, okay. So like now you're on your own and you're playing, <clears throat> and you're. When did you get into like involved with like your first band? Um, or did you just start playing? Were you like playing solo? Were you playing with other people? Well, when I was a kid, like I played with grownups. You know, and um, you know, I think I played. Oh. My phone is never actually on, ever. <laughs> You're fine. So, when I was a kid, I played with grown-ups, really. And when I was 12, I played my first, like, real gig. Okay. You know? And, um, and again, it was with grown-ups. And then, you know, by the time I was 14, I was gigging around, you know, playing with other grown you know, people in their 20s and 30s and stuff. Sure. You know? And, um, but... Uh, I really don't it's all such a blur I do remember some of the first shows but not like what was the one and what was the you know because it, there was a lot of it you know, it was a lot of playing and a lot of rehearsals and a lot of uh, jamming and all that stuff sure um, so like uh, your, it sounds like your family was pretty supportive of you like they were um, it was uh, it, you know it was a very well if that's what you're going to do then do it didn't do it yeah yeah good luck you know (laughs) (laughs) you know um they were 
you know, like I said, my dad came to almost every, especially the shows that were mine, mm-hmm. you know, that were my band. You know, he, he came to all of those that he could. And, and by could, I mean that were at our, in our hometown. Um, uh, but yeah, no, it was, uh, that was another thing too that, you know, the determination part of, well, I'm on my own. This is, you know, if I want an electric guitar, I'm going to have to mow lawns and sure. get an electric guitar, you know, yeah. which is good. I, you know, I, I'm not saying that everyone should have to do that. You know, I've certainly not been that way with my kid just because, R- right. you know, I, he is not spoiled, but he has never wanted mm-hmm. for anything, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I don't know. I don't think there's any one hard, true answer for what the best way to do that is. Oh, 100 percent. You know. It just gives a it, it gives like a understanding of at the time like you're like okay so you went out and mowed lawns for three weeks and bought your first guitar and like you obviously took pride in in keeping it and learning more about it and probably made you feel really good. Oh man, I cherish that thing. Yeah. Do you, you still know? have it? No, 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 no. <laughs> I traded that. I traded it about six or eight months later for another guitar that was just as bad. Okay. <laughs> Parallel you know. move. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a sideways move. Yeah, they were both Sears specials. You know, it was, uh, uh, yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, so like, you're playing with adults and you're playing some gigs, and like, how was that for a while? Like, when did you start? Did you make your own band after a while, or did you just put together shows? Well, that was the the opening for Eric Johnson story was the... I, I played in an original band with some people who... It was their original music. Okay. You know, uh, with a guy named Jeff Jordan. Phenomenal guitar player. Amazing yeah. writer. Still one of my favorite everything. Great singer, great guitar player, great writer. Um, and he was, at that time... You know, to me, he was ancient, but he was, you know, like 25, you know, and I was 14, 15, <laughs> right. you know. Um, but he, uh, I played a lot with him. And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, and that was one of those bands you had to be of a certain caliber to, so that was sort of a badge of honor to be in that band. And then when the opening spot for Eric Johnson came up, I tried to put together my own groups to go out and do stuff. But, you know, everyone wanted to gig. You know, yeah. they wanted to go out and play for five, five, six hours a night doing covers Cover on the weekends or whatever. You know, yeah. and it just, you know, and I, I did a little of that, but every time I would talk myself into it, I immediately regretted it. Yeah, and just was like, yeah, I just can't. Do yeah, this. how did so. it like? How did it feel like in comparison? I mean. I understand why people do it, and a lot of people do it. You know, some people for money. just love doing that. That's true, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yep. I have friends that are sidemen with people that, you know, or play downtown in Nashville. That you know, they just want to play. Yeah, they just want. They're play. not writers, and they're not you know mm-hmm. whatever. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. You can just love playing the guitar or playing whatever you play. Um, I just wanted to do that. You yeah, know, I just wanted to write and make things. Oh, and, sure. Uh, you know, it's well, uh, one of those. I think when you have that, like that kind of like artistic desire or bug, um, I think that's something that a lot of musicians <laughs> hope for. And I think that depending on how that goes for them, you know, they either lean maybe one way or the other, you know, they're more into writing or they're more into performing, you know, and I think there's a lot of people that are in the middle, but I feel like, um, yeah, I know a lot of people that just would, maybe aren't the best songwriters or don't consider themselves to be songwriters at all. Right. You know what They're it is, though, performers. too? It's like, it's like one of those things where you start early 
maybe trying to write songs and you kind of work this muscle and it kind of becomes your identity as a musician because that's the way I feel about it. I you know, think you. A, I think what it is is you. You learn. <clears throat> I, at least for me, I can't speak for other people. For me, I just wanted to hear stuff, you know, and I couldn't find exactly what I wanted to hear. You mm-hmm. know, I, I would find things that I love. Don't get me wrong, and certainly things I was like, man, I wish I'd done that. But I wanted to be able to do that myself. I wanted to be able to make things that I also loved. You know, and, and that's probably why you're like a producer and an engineer as well. You just you're seeking that sound maybe in your head, maybe perhaps. That's really it. it yeah. You know, it, it's it's that, and also there's a you you're more relaxed if you've been doing it. Just like anything, like if you if you know, I've been doing it my whole life. I've always written music. The first thing I did on a guitar when I figured out my first three chords was write something with those three chords. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, the second thing I did was learn a Beatles song, you know, <laughs> but, but it's, uh, you know, to me, the, the experience of doing it informs, it's just like being on stage. People who suffer from stage fright, like that's anomalous to me. I have no, I understand the psychology of it, but, uh, you know, I, when I toured with JD, we get back from Europe and there are pictures of us in front of 100,000 people or whatever. And like, oh man, what was that like? And how, mm-hmm. you know, were you nervous? I'm like, the only thing that I thought about when I walked out was, are my ears working and is my guitar in tune? Yeah. You know, and I hope that the pedal board didn't get broken when they slammed it out here and plug everything <laughs> in. You know what I mean? Like, because, you know, you're, you're doing the gig, you're going, getting up to play. And it is cool to look out and see all that, but it's mm-hmm. also, I've done this. I'm playing guitar. Right. You know, it could be two people and it would be the same feeling of like, I want to do well for whoever is paying, whomever's paying attention. Sure. You know, you want to do well. So, um, but yeah, I think there's a thing where you, you become comfortable with your own creativity and you learn to trust it, you know? Um, yeah. And I don't trust much in the world more than I trust my creativity. You know, I don't worry about it. Like, you know, um, Ray Luzier was coming over last week for us to write. I had absolutely no time to prepare anything or, mm-hmm. you know. So he got there and we sat down and he played something really cool because he is want to do. And, uh, and I was like, here, how about this? And he was like, oh, yeah. And he looks at me he's like, did you just come up with that? And I said, yeah, <laughs> come on. And he started like, of course, right, of course, it's you. But it really, I wasn't worried about it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I knew something would come. Like you, yeah. you just always trust that there's, you know, this. Uh, well, you have your, you have all of the past experiences and your confidence like behind you. So you're. It's like, never failed. It's never failed you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, until that day comes, I'm. What do you do when you have writer's block? Do you have writer's block? I don't. No, I wouldn't mind being able to have a switch like writer's block. I'm going to go sleep for three days. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> nice. You know. But, no, I think that, babe. I think that's kind of something that you've talked about similarly. Oh, just the, the the feeling that you get, you know, like if you work with another artist and collaborating is pretty much a, a thing that I do a lot, you know, whether it's guys within your own band and your own stuff mm-hmm. or somebody that's kind of fresh to you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you yeah. don't, I never stress about coming up with something cool with, you know, with a collaboration or my own stuff. It's like, you've been doing it so long, right? So it's like, you don't worry about that. Yeah, you know, something you're will focused happen. on something else. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's a common, it's an interesting combination <clears throat> because it's you have your relaxed being mm-hmm. about your creativity, and then the observation of the person you're in front of. You know, and so when you're writing with someone, 
you know, I write off of people. You know, if I'm working with someone else, I don't always work with other people. But mm-hmm. when I do, um, it's always someone I respect because why waste your time? You know, if you're not going to respect the person across from you. But um, and it's usually someone I know. And you can get to know something about someone when you're sitting down working on stuff together. And, you know, you kind of figure out what their leanings are and what their taste is. And you think, yeah, you know what, this would be maybe this will tickle their fancy. Sure. You know, maybe this will inspire them to have another idea that'll then kick you into another space, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that stuff's really cool. Fun no, stuff. that's that's yeah. that's really interesting, like, hearing hearing how that is. And, and, Dan, that's like, I feel like you don't run into very many, come to think of it, you don't run into very many, like, writer's blocks either. I feel like you're always, like, toiling with something. Toiling. I think the bag of tricks <laughs> grows, that type of thing, where you got a reliable bag of tricks where you have many ways to go at something, Yeah, you know? Um, but yeah, I think that's uh, paramount as far as being a musician. I just think it's it's like a therapy session almost as well. So you kind of get to know yourself, you get to know mm-hmm. music, you, you know, you share it with other people, and it's a it's a cool thing. I think, you know. Yeah. Well, like you mentioned the toiling thing. I, maybe you run into this, but my problem, like right now, I've been writing and mixing and editing stuff for the last three weeks, and so I've played guitar maybe a total of an hour in three weeks, and I'm okay. usually up in the morning and I play for two hours just to start the day mm. to keep things together as you get older especially but a lot of it is just because I love it mm-hmm. you know I love playing and I love playing when I've been playing a lot yeah um, it's gonna hurt when I pick it up tomorrow and I have to really because I've got to start getting back in shape you know yeah. and it, it happens it slips that quickly you know it's um, and you know it'll come back but there's part of you that's like will it yeah. Are we sure this is the time that it doesn't, you know? Yeah, am I out of touch? Did, right. Was it too long, you know what I mean, for but that it does to happen? Ha- yeah, but the toiling part, he, when he said that, it made me think about the, when you, um, like I have all these ideas I'm working on right now, and the only time I play is when I'm recording that idea. Mm-hmm. But I'm starting to notice that I'm having to think more when I play uh-huh. to get those recorded than mm-hmm. I normally would. Usually, if I'm on top of it, I can just, uh, there's the idea, it's already out, sure. you know? hands do what you tell them or you don't even have to tell them now i have to tell them what mm. to do and you know but you know a couple of days it'll be fine yeah that's that's really interesting yeah to, to take the thinking out of the equation is kind of like the key yeah that's you the, know yeah it's got that's everything yeah <clears throat> yeah that's a good point that's a good way to put you know, it you can like, be free and yeah. that, that frees up everything i think yeah it frees yeah. up your mind to like focus on other stuff that's badass um it's <laughs> deep so. man deep it's deep no it's cool i love like talking to people and hearing just their experience it's it's really eye-opening for me so you've been playing music since you were like three you did you always want to be a musician because it sounds like i don't remember not being one yeah yeah you just always been it yeah it was not maybe a conscious thought you just did it i don't have a memory before music you That's know, because crazy. even before i got the guitar i was messing with my aunt's piano and mm-hmm. you know the drums or whatever you know it was always something it sounds like so. your aunt was kind of musical or she, did she well, just love uh, music too well she and my dad had taken piano lessons when they were kids and mm-hmm. um, her daughter my older cousin d um took piano and i just you know as a little little guy just thought that was the coolest thing that she could sit down to piano and you know 
yeah. play a tune. That was just cool, you know, because <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is cool. You know? That's kind of funny. Um, okay, so how long did you, when you were in Augusta, uh, well, I don't know, like when you moved to Nashville, did you, uh, how did your transition to Nashville come about? Were you in Augusta? Did they did you just move? Did no, you move around I, I, a few places? I was in Augusta. I left Augusta um, in the 90s. I, le- I moved to Florida. Okay. And I lived there for 15 years. Oh, that's right. You were with, with Tom. Tom. That's how I met Tom yes. Hurst was down okay. in Gainesville. That's yep. right. I think fate had me move to Gainesville so I could meet Tom. Yeah, <laughs> And that's then we funny. could move up here. Yeah. Um, and then we played together a bunch down there and um, with several friends of ours. And... Um, then in 2010, I moved up here, and he was already up here. I think, yeah, he was up. Yeah, he was already up here. Uh, a couple of other friends of ours were here, and they were all, you know, you should come. Mm-hmm. And my wife Liz was like, we should go. Yeah. So I said, okay, let's let's do it. Is Liz a musician too? No, she she's classically trained pianist that doesn't consider herself a musician she uh-huh. started playing piano when she was seven and can mm-hmm. sight read anything but mm-hmm. you take the music away from her and she's like bing you know she doesn't really <laughs> right she won't play in front of me so i've never oh. heard her play are you serious i've composed etudes for her like little practice pieces and stuff and you know she has played them but not when i'm here not when you're there <laughs> yeah has she ever recorded them and oh no and have you listened to them? No, 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 no. no That's no, no. hilarious. No, That's kind of no, adorable. She, she thinks I'm too, you know. Yeah, she doesn't want to put herself out there. Yeah. Oh my God, me and Liz would have a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> I told um, you. <laughs> yeah. But you know, but now I'm at a point where it's like Dan and I like um. Like I'll, I'll sing in front of him or I'll be singing or I'll do something. Cause I was in a band for years and years and years before we knew each other, but like I'll be singing something and then I'll turn around he's there and I'm like, he's like, it sounds really good. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like me with the weed. You're like, yeah. well, it's me. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, thanks. You know? Oh my God. So you were in Gainesville and then you moved here in probably 2010. Mm. And then, um, so going from, pretty much Georgia to Florida to here. Did you notice like a big difference in like musicianship here or the quality of people coming here? The number of great musicians. The number of great musicians. Yeah. Yeah. I know some musicians that don't live here who are phenomenal. Yeah. Yep. Um, That's very true. Right. Yeah. But the sheer number of people here who are phenomenal is Mm -hmm is pretty great it's yeah. really cool actually it's one of the things that I've always been drawn to here is it's because I've done work up here before I moved like I'd done sure. some studio stuff and whatever but the thing that always draw drew me here was just the level of people you would easily run into whereas mm-hmm. in Augusta it was it was more difficult to find people like especially with the stuff that I was doing like it was involved you know mm-hmm. and uh you know, I was really fortunate to find the guys that I did back then, and they were great. They were also about the only people in that town that could play it, yeah. you know? I just, for that stuff, there sure. were other people that were great at other things, but mm-hmm. for this stuff, they were, you know, uniquely qualified for it. Um, up here, it was the biggest thing that drew me was being able to come up here and write stuff that people could play that were here, you know, that there were people available here. I mean, I'm, you know, working on a record right now and Chris Frazier's playing drums on it 
who played with Steve Vai and for, he's in Foreigner right now. Was in White Snake. He's an amazing drummer. Damn. Um, and Billy Sheehan's playing bass on it. Yeah. You know, so I hear those guys know, are pretty good. They're all right, <laughs> but I am looking for some guys. If that's you know, if you hear anything, you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh my gosh! So were you always like a rock guy? I was never a full rock guy. Mm-hmm. Like I, it, 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 I also love different types of orchestral music. Um, I write orchestral music. I have a ton of jazz things I've written. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's all over the place. Um, I do definitely have um, the soul of a rocker. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you know, funk is in there pretty not very deep like it's 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 right there on the surface you know right there waiting to come out because you know in augusta was one thing there that was cool was that you know if you couldn't groove in that town you were not getting a gig Mm -hmm. because you know james brown yeah yeah. you had to be able to play seriously so yeah that's cool well i think that it all that part i mean just your description comes down to like you ever meet someone they're rare. I've met two of them in my life. You ever met somebody who's just like, I'm just, I don't really, I don't listen to music. I'm like. I, I have one or two, a couple. A couple yeah, of but them. But not many. Yeah, not many. And to me, that's the same thing as like, okay, so you just don't like food? You don't like any food. <laughs> right. Nothing at all, right? Yeah. Like nothing, yeah. nothing like suits your style. Dogs. People that hate dogs. <laughs> fucking weirdos man what's wrong with those people what's wrong yeah, I don't know man you know she's no but seriously like people like like all music it's it's so there's so many different kinds so it's like you can find you can't find one thing that moves you and it's all like an appreciation of like art well the, the thing that's interesting to me is because of what music does to me the physical and emotional effect it has on me it's it's weird to imagine that not existing yeah. like hearing stuff and not you know having that response to it, it it's, it's yeah. something i can't really picture you know i have synesthesia which is you know perfect pitch or whatever so mm. like you drop a cup on the floor i can tell you that's a c sharp or what you know what i mean so oh you're rare so it and you're so like everything is well i i know i have a really good buddy of mine kenny vargo who's a great producer engineer also I know kenny yeah, so we kind of commiserate about it because wow. every time a bus horn, or, you know, like everything, mm-hmm. and everything is colors, you know? Yeah. And so to me, what a weird world it would be. Like, to me, imagining not having that is weird. That, now that's trying to true. imagine someone who doesn't hear music yeah. at all mm-hmm. is just bizarre. But it yeah. doesn't mean that you're weird if you don't listen to music. You know, it, it's, it's just I... It's not something I can imagine. I think you know? you're weird. I'm gonna look in the camera and say that. I think you're a little weird. <laughs> yeah, but man. You, you I'll put guys that are on weird. me. No, there was a there was a guy that was friends <laughs> with my my first guitar player, and he was awesome. He was a, a cool guy, and he was like, "Yeah, I come to your shows, but like to be honest, he's like, I come to support you and Jesse. I just I don't listen to music." And I was like, "What do you mean?" Like he's like, "Yeah, it just doesn't do it for me." I was like, hmm. "Like none of it, nothing." No he, music? Nothing. Right. And he was like 24. Yeah, it was crazy. He's like, yeah, the last time I probably listened to something other than like your show was like probably like nine months ago. I was like. That's, wow. and especially at 24, because for the human animal, that's like prime mating age. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like all those cues, the mating cues and stuff, you would not, think that would be peak. Not there. Music <laughs> listening. Yeah. At least fake it, dude. <laughs> Can you listen to music? <laughs> it also makes yeah. me wonder, like, if you don't listen to music at all, are you, you can't be a good dancer then, right? It's impossible. 
I just think you're a bad human being. <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. No, it is just Here's weird. the thing. I mean, if you don't hear the music and you're dancing, you're lying. You're lying, right? <laughs> Dishonest, man. You're lying. Oh. You're a liar. Oh, God. Well, that was a that was a fun little trip going down. But yeah, and then I met another guy who was uh, roommates with uh, someone I knew. And the person I knew was a musician, and he was a business major. And he's like, yeah, I come to his shows, but I don't listen to music. I was like, what is wrong with you people? It's like, it's like that thing with uh, when Peter Griffin, he's like, yeah, I just never watched The Godfather. Yeah, right, okay. It's like, really? It just never watched upon itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just upon itself. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, okay, so moving to Nashville and you see all these different people and like, um, so you have like, sounds like you have a real big appreciation for what moves you. And um, so you start writing with people and you start performing with people. Well, at first I didn't write with anyone. Okay. Um, it was, uh, it's still not something, I enjoy doing it, um, but I, there's the Nashville way of we're going to get together and have a right, they mm -hmm. call it, mm -hmm. I, which I have no interest in. Okay. Um, and then there's getting with people that that are truly artistic, that mm -hmm. want to create something interesting. And that I'm intrigued by. So at first, I didn't know those people here. You yeah. know, it was, uh, you know, just trying to get out <clears throat> and play to meet people and yeah. play, connect sure. and, and all those things that you do. So the first year, I basically said yes to anything. Okay. You know, literally anything. And um, after about a year, I'd played with enough people that I started to say no to certain things. And mm -hmm. then got the gigs got better. And then after the second year, I started saying no to a lot of things. And then the gigs got a lot better. Mm -hmm. And then I started saying no to most things. And then the gigs got amazing. Nah. So it's a really strange thing. Like, just be an asshole and say no. It'll take you everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's amazing what some boundaries can do. That's good advice. <laughs> Strange. Yeah. No, it's yeah. it's it's not true. You have to be a nice person. I'm I'm not saying I am, but No, you 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 it, are a nice person, it but it I know exactly to be what you mean. Agreeable and nice and all those things. Um you know, I'm I'm also it's a couple of things. I'm at a point where um I'm really only interested in doing things that are creative. Yeah. You know? Um if I'm going to do a tour, all right, so here's a fun one. When Ray Luzier called me about doing the Jonathan Davis gig, mm -hmm. um, I said, can I hear the record? Because he told me how long, the t you know, it was going to be a year-long thing. And I said, well, may I hear the record, you know, so I can decide if I'm interested. And he goes, are you fucking serious? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, you know, this is Ray of Corn calling right. me about a gig with the singer from Corn, And... And uh, everyone else he had talked to was like, yeah. You know, and then they did, But then they didn't work out, you know. Okay. And um, so he said, yeah, Jonathan wants someone who's unusual. That's not, you know, the typical rock guy. You know, someone who can rock, but, you know, yeah. versatility and weird. Uh, <laughs> and weird. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he calls me. Um, but, yeah, I just you know, can I hear the record? And he sent it to me, and it was incredible. You wow. know, Black Labyrinth is one of my favorite records still, and I played it for a year, you know, with that tour. Um, but, yeah, I was like, this is great. I would love to do this, you mm -hmm. know. And um, we got together, and that was it. Um, but it was, I was at a point where, I mean, I, I can't commit a year of my life to something, you know. Like, we'll all still work together yeah. Again, we do. Ray was at my house today. Right. But to leave my home for what amounts to a year, 
Right. You know, it's a long uh, time. You need to love what it is you're going to do. Because mm-hmm. I've done tours like that where I wasn't crazy about what I was doing. Um, and became, you know, I kept it inside like a mm-hmm. cancerous wad of frustration. But, <laughs> you know, uh, it just became unhappy, you know, mm-hmm. and realized, you know, it, it's just this isn't. Again, it goes back to the cover band thing because it's kind of the same thing. You're playing someone yeah. else's music, yeah. You know, and and great for them, but also this isn't. If it's not interesting to you, then mm-hmm. you know, who won? You know. Yeah, so. I think that's an exceptional way to look at it. I think it's a really honest way to look at it, and it. I think that if maybe more musicians in general or more people like viewed it that way, you know. There might be some more authenticity out there. I, I say that cautionary, but possibly. Well, there's also, you know, one of the other things that I did was, um, particularly when I was saying yes a lot more, um, the the way I found an interest, the 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 end for me was, okay, so see what you can do to make this to do your thing within this. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean get in and just like, here's my lick, you mm-hmm. know. It, I mean more of understand what their music is about and see how you can paint within their framework the way that you paint. Right. And make it, you know, interesting or make it what you th- what you view as interesting and then see if you don't get fired, you know. <laughs> like that was always the challenge, right. you know. Um, the Jody Messina gig was like that. It was uh, – I didn't audition for that. I didn't get any gig that I auditioned for. I think I did two auditions, and one was for like a 14-year-old. And I walked in, like, I turned around and walked out. I'm like, I'm old. They're not going to give me this gig. (laughs) Um, But, uh, no, the Jody Messina thing. You're not old. You're just not 14. (laughs) I'm not not 14. 18. Right. Uh, Experienced. Yes. Um, No, the Jody thing, I went in, and I was told, the band leader told me, like, learn every solo, lick for lick. Um don't move like stay in front of the microphone and don't wiggle too much and you know mm-hmm. all this stuff fun stuff huh? right? yeah it's like oh okay cool um so the first show uh we're on stage in front of however many people and first song is like one of her rocking songs or whatever and the solo in it is whoever played on it it's their idea of a rock solo right okay. and i learned the solo dutifully and she comes over and she's running around doing her jumping jacks and she runs over like, all right, new guy, let's see what you got. And in my idiot guitar brain, because I'm playing guitar, you know, which means all intellect is <laughs> way off somewhere else. I interpreted that as she wants to know what I have. Right. Not what she meant. She just oh, meant boy. play the solo. She was playing to the crowd. But this was my interpretation of it at the time. So I let one rip, yeah. you know, and she stood there and watched. And at the end, she's like, "Yeah!" And, and what did the crowd do? They they took all their clothes off and threw their panties <laughs> at me. Yes. It was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> they were like, "Oh, guitar solo." Yeah, clearly. Yeah, yeah. That's what we signed up for. <laughs> right. Yeah, they they knew the difference, you know. So after the show, um, the band leader came up and says, I don't know why I'm not firing you right now. Like she usually would have told me to fire you by now because that was not what not the solo. And he goes, but she liked it. So, okay. okay. Like, All right. And so I started testing the fences every night to see, and she started liking that. And so, okay. you know, so, but it, it, the point is, but I never did anything that wasn't in the context of her music. 
Right. You know what I mean? That's like it wasn't like I was up there like, you know, self-flagellating, you know. This wasn't like a back to the future move where he's just like totally rocking out on the guitar and they're looking at him. They're like, you, yeah, know, you were yeah, fine yeah, at first. Yeah. Now you've taken it way too right. far. Yeah, yeah, with gigs, it's just, I love playing with people. I, I don't want it to sound like I don't. I do. It's just, you know, I still have to be able to play like me. Yeah. right? And I like the challenge of finding a way to do that. I want to play these solos note for note. You don't need me. Right. You can get right. anyone, anyone to do anyone that. Anyone to do You know, it. like around here, mm -hmm. to be clear. Like in Nashville, anyone can play that solo. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's a piece of cake. Just, just, get a, just that a, guy. Just out of curiosity, where were you for the show? Were you in Nashville? No, no. This was, I want to say it was like Maryland or something. Oh. I'll have to add Josh Carter, our keyboardist, who's one of my closest friends now. Um, we became close because we got hired for the same at the same time mm -hmm. you know so our first show was the same one i'll have to see if he remembers but yeah it was i think it was like maryland or somewhere ah, i mean that's so. just cool in general though like i i mean growing up in the 90s uh early 2000s i do like me some jody messina uh which actually if i can mention some of the people that you've played with billy ray cyrus that was one gig but it was so much fun that's i can honestly cool. say what was his hit song uh, achy breaky heart achy breaky heart never played it in a cover band or any of that stuff the only <laughs> one time i've ever played it on stage ever in my life was, was with, with him, him. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah he was super nice really cool we yeah. rehearsed once or twice at his house the band was fantastic mm -hmm. you know um and uh i could totally see that he was so nice like mm -hmm. you know he slipped me a hundo handshake on the out way out there he's i know you guys got lunch you know we're giving lunch and stuff but here man you know, go fucking cool. buy yourself a dress or whatever. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like that. I, I met him one time and he was very nice. Uh, I was doing some, uh, what was I doing, babe? Some extra work on that yeah, show in thank Nashville. You. No, it wasn't on Nashville. I was what doing do I some, know? I was, no, I was doing extra work for his show on CMT <clears throat> and uh, uh, something the king, still the king. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just sitting at a table and, you know, they, they're very specific with us. Like, don't don't talk to anybody, you know, just like, you know, you don't want to distract them. So I'm like, don't look I don't yeah, look don't, uh, So he sits down right next to us and starts talking to us. And he's like, how are you girls doing? You have yeah. a wonderful day. And I was like, is this OK for us to be talking to you right now? I was like, oh, like, if we don't talk to you, then we're going to look terrible i was like hey you know like um, he was just so sweet and like i really appreciate y'all we spent doing half this. of the four-hour rehearsal at his we were in his house his palace you know yeah in his living room and we spent half of that four hours just listening to stories you that's know? cool it was really he was really nice very cool he off he's left-handed too now that i think about it because huh. when i was leaving um he said hey man let me show you my guitar you know and he, yeah. he pulls out this really nice left-handed gibson 335 you mm -hmm. know and uh, he said, you got one of these? And I said, no, I never really found the right left-handed one or whatever. And he said, take that with you. And I was like, no, no I don't want to break it. I don't, you know, whatever. And he was like, no, man, just I'll get it from you later. And I don't, I won't do that. You know, yeah. just because it's, you know, it's a yeah. thing. The lefty code, man. You, you break my guitar, it's over. <laughs> you know? I can never find another one. <laughs> That's like right. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, you know, looking back on it, I should have taken the guitar. <laughs> But Damn it. it was cool. It was a nice guitar, you know. But he was, you know, want to ride my dirt bike? Like, he was, he literally had a dirt bike. So he was like, You want to ride my dirt bike? I'm like, That sounds, it, it sound, it's nice yeah, because it was really nice. we've talked about this before. It's like, don't meet your heroes. 
because there's a lot of people you meet and you're like, mm, I wish I didn't meet Wait, you. What was that uh, SNL skit when uh, Jewel, remember that was like somebody was winning tickets off the radio and they get to spend like two weeks in the, the mountains in a cabin with Jewel? And was, like, I, the I vaguely Jewel remember fan. this, but Same I don't. Same type of thing, though. She, yeah. This guy won yeah. and he ends up in a cabin for two weeks. And he was losing his mind. He fucking hated her. Oh, because she kept playing the, the who that. will say <laughs> over and over. That's right. That's right. It's like, leave me alone. You couldn't get out How of there. Did, the did they have like security? I don't understand. That's wild. Uh. Well, no, it was just a, it was a no, skit an SNL off an skit. SNL. Oh, yeah, yeah. SNL. I missed that's, that part. No, I'm yeah, sorry. that's, that's yeah. why I remember it. I should it. listen and talk less. No, it you're fine. It was pretty awesome, though. Well, because I'm like, yeah, two weeks, of course anybody would go crazy. Yeah, like but after yeah. two weeks, like he's just like hating her. He's trying to get out of there and like they're oh, snowed in the mountains. That's amazing. And, <laughs> <laughs> and she's playing that song. <laughs> well, it's uh, cool to, it's cool to see that, you know, he was cool about it. I feel like uh, around Nashville, he's like a, he's still like much of a, you know, a revered kind of person, you know, so it's, it's kind of nice mean, from the musicians I've talked to at least. So that's kind of nice. And, uh, Jada Dreyer, I wasn't too familiar with her, but I looked her up. Her stuff is great. Yeah. Yeah. She's I a did a handful of gigs with her, um, pretty early on. She was one of the, when I was saying yes to everything and I don't think at the time really anyone knew who she was, Yeah. you know, um, you know, she started kind of taking, I mean, she, was big enough in Canada that we played some pretty big festivals and stuff up there. That's cool. Um, no, I love Jane to death. She's a great writer, great mm -hmm. singer. Um, and she's written a lot of stuff for a lot of people at this point. You know. Yeah, I was looking her up and I, I thought that was pretty cool. All those nice Canadians. Well, we're not nice too people. far from Canada, so we know a lot of people. Um, Jace Everett, uh, Tonic, mm -hmm. and of course, Jonathan, Jonathan Dick. Or at least I talk. <sighs> Edit that part out. Okay. Dave. <laughs> and Jonathan Davis of Corn. So clearly, growing up in the time era that I grew up, obviously loved Corn. So mm -hmm. when Dan was telling me, he's like, you know, he's played with Jonathan Davis for like five years. I was like, I'm sorry. Are you serious? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And then of course, like I went and I looked, and I was like, I'll be damned. So that's really cool mm -hmm. to to hear that but i mean you've played with him for a long time so you must enjoy it i love him yeah he's you know he's um a lot of people get the capital a artist label around here you know of, that's what around nashville for anyone that doesn't know uh inside baseball that's what they call people who have a legit you know record contract or whatever the artist mm. you know the principal um he's an artist mm. You know, he's what I consider an artist anyway. Like he, he writes his stuff. He's very picky about what he wants. Mm. He knows how to tell you what he wants. Mm -hmm. You know, he uh, he plays a little bit of every instrument I've ever seen him come near. That's cool. You know, we used to jam with him on drums, you mm. know, sound check. He would go sit behind Ray's kit and and Brian Allen and I would sit there and play with him, you know, until they started yelling at us to get off so the opening <laughs> act could set up because <laughs> we were those assholes. Um, but, uh, no, he's really, really creative and uh, a total sweetheart. That's just cool. Just a lovely, lovely guy. He really, I just saw him, I don't know, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. And, you know, it was great, it, you know. It's one of those things where that's also, like, I say this every time, but that's another reason why I wanted to do this podcast is because I deal with, the general public of tourists that are coming in and out of Nashville all the time and they're just still 
don't know about how much music is here other than country. Right. And I'm like, every major band that I've loved for the past 30 years, like someone lives here, someone's mm -hmm. moved here. So I'm not surprised to hear that, you know, the drummer of Corn is here, you know, like. Uh, yeah, Head lives here too. Yeah, it's yeah, just, Brian. It's, I've seen him a few times uh, randomly out places. He came to Acme when I was working one night, and I saw him somewhere else I can't think of. He's funny. I like yeah. him a lot. Yeah, he's real nice. I didn't really get a chance to talk to him, but um, but he was very cool. He just like sat at a table by himself and just like chilled out on the rooftop. But um, yeah, so it's kind of, it's n it's nice to see that because but that's why it's just like there's a whole other side to national music that i think that if people think about it but a lot of people don't they're just coming here and they got broadway in mind and honky tonks and you know right. like country music and you know that's like everything and then i'm like you know when you say music it's a lot of music yeah. you know yeah um so we're not it's just all that stuff that your friend can't hear yeah <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> he would yeah, love right? it if he could hear it yeah, oh my he God. would. He doesn't know what he's missing. Yeah, he would probably show up here and be like, yeah, just like any other place, I guess, except a lot more people walking around singing, you know, like it probably just wouldn't even connect. So, but. Well, that's it. Well, the thing with JD that's cool is that he likes all kinds of music. Mm -hmm. You know, we, he, <laughs> we were playing in Kansas somewhere and he, he came out, he didn't always come out for soundcheck, you mm -hmm. know, but we did because we wanted to play, you know, yeah. and we had to. Um, um, so he comes out and Ray and Brian Allen, our bass player, who's amazing. He's played on every record you've heard in the last, you know, eight, ten years or whatever. Uh, but he's playing upright in this band, you oh, know, cool. only upright, at least on this, this iteration of it. And, um, so the three of us were screwing around playing some jazz and, you know, whatever. And, um, and JD walks up and he's like, yeah, that's cool. It's cool. Play some country and so we just i looked at him you know key of c and we one two three four boom, dun, 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 whatever you he know some little bluegrassy thing and he's ah oh, oh, yeah and then he's like <laughs> play some whatever you know he started calling shit out and it was fun later that night in the middle of the show all right ladies and gentlemen we're gonna bring the show to a stop real quick we're gonna play a little something called stump the band and so he's i'm gonna call out a, a style of music and then they have to do it Oh my lord! So yeah, so he st and it stayed for the rest. That was like in May, and we did that for the rest of that year, oh like my all God. the way through December. Yeah, up. Only time we didn't do it was uh, well, like in festivals where you only have you know fifty minutes to play, yeah, whatever. But every time we played our own show, it was you know it was in there. So that's cool. Yeah, that's so cool. Stump the band. So yeah. how did you? get to be a part of that gig did you did you, like if I, my years are mixed up so did you know ray ahead of time or had you played with him i played with ray a couple of times um i was the music director for um my buddies uh dave parks and tom hurst mm -hmm. had the nashville drummers jam and i was involved with that as a music director and so my job was to get the drummers that were going to play on it you know yeah. and organize what the tunes were going to be and what that was is we would honor some you know uh you know top of the mountain drum guru you know sure. some time honored drummer 
Um, dude, I think that's, that's where cool. I met you, man, it at the drummer's is. thing, right? It may have been it one of the, the first ones. Dude, the, it, was the Jerry. it was the Jerry one, right? Yeah, that yeah. was one. I think that was the first one, actually, was for Jerry. Oh, no shit. Yeah, and um, then that that became the Nashville drummer. Like, it, that was sort of the birth of it. Ah, okay. And then it got to be a bigger deal after that. Like, it, you know, that place was packed. And then we had to move it into a bigger place, and then we had to move it into an even bigger place, you know. So, you know, we, you know, Neil Peart, Alex Van Halen, Alex Van Halen sent us his drum kit oh, that. with his drum tech, wow, you know, to set it up for us and everything. That's so all awesome. the guys that played that night, my kid played it at Soundtrack, you know, ah. he was only like 10 at the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a cool thing. So I met Ray actually at the Van Halen one because that was the first one he did buddy of mine kevin murphy gave me his number and said you should get the guy from corn to play i'm like all right so i texted him and said hey you know whatever so he came out and we did light at the sky no rehearsal you know just wow. one two three four you know yeah and uh you know and it was a lot of fun and then he did another one we hit it off um talked a little bit here and there so when the JD thing, like I said, he he told Ray he wanted someone that was weird and kind of do a lot of different things, and <laughs> I have the attention span of a gnat, so <laughs> I can do a lot of things. Right. Oh, that's kind of cool, though. That's awesome. So then, I mean, so that was back in what? what no. He called me in now. seventeen. Seventeen. Okay. Yeah, for that gig. Yeah, that um, it would have been October. Okay. November somewhere in there. Okay. I think. Yeah, so that's been a while, man. Like yeah. even before like COVID and whatnot. Ah. You know, I want to get back into this, but I think that we should kind of segue for a minute and then right. jump back into it. So I telling you about this podcast, you know, there's a little segment where I um teach someone my guess i get to acquire a skill yes yeah. about how to make a fun drink which will work great for me because i don't really drink so Yay. i can make them for everyone yes, else exactly. yeah, yeah. Be great. i'm gonna i'm gonna put the tools right in front of you i'm gonna show you how to do this okay um but so i'm very excited so would you allow me to show you how to make a drink please okay this will be fun um now that I'm kind of actually meeting you in person, I'm wondering if you're going to like this drink, but I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be good. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, let's just take a quick minute. We'll get set up. Okay. All right. So All we're right. back. Um, got everything in front of us right now. So this will be kind of fun. I'm going to teach you how to make a classic cocktail, um, which pretty much every drink that's ever been made really comes from the same... 20 cocktails oh, everything else is pretty much a variation of that um, but as more things are developed over time you know they find ways to make it really cool so this is a daiquiri I know right. you mentioned that you don't drink a lot but when you do rum might be a cool thing for you so this is going to be nice and light and I made some strawberry syrup which is super easy and I'm going to give this to you to take home. Oh wow. So okay, you can cool. use it in anything like you can use it in any sodas or soda water or something to drink with water would be fine too. So you don't have to just use it in this. Okay so this is what we're going to do. We're going to take the big tin. This tin first. You take yours. Okay. And I just wash my hands. They're clean for all the germaphobes. I say this all the time. I'm going to put a few rocks into the shaker, and then you can do the same. How many? Um, enough so it's like half full, or okay. almost half full. All right. Put that one on the floor. Yeah, right. that's fine. That's where that goes. <laughs> do you know how many times, like, I feel like 
when it, you're making drinks behind the bar, like someone will drop like a plastic glass or something, you'll step on it, it'll be like, <laughs> or like ice cubes, like constantly, like all the time, it's like a thing. All right. That's what we Okay. So I'm going to show you how to use this. So we take the big side. Okay. We take the rum. And because I'm making one for Dan too, I'm going to pour it. Don't two. forget about Dan. Don't forget about Dan. The last time he's like, you forgot about me. I was like, oh shit, I'm sorry. So you're going to pour this one time up until this first line. Okay. In this big one. And that's an ounce and a half. Right. Wow. Yeah. All right. This is going to be strong. It'll be fine. Okay. You're going to put it in here. Put it's it in the big tin. I'll drink it. <laughs> okay. And the next thing we're going to do is flip it over. Okay. And to the smaller side. And then you are going to pour. Put that in front of the camera more, babe, so we can this? see at home. Right here. How's this look? There you go. Perfect. Yeah, okay. down by there. You're right. going to pour this fresh squeezed lime juice um, halfway to that like first mark. Okay. And then you're going to pour it in the tin. All right. Okay. Now we're going to do three quarters of an ounce of this lovely red syrup, which is like the next line up, All like right. right below. Okay. See, it's good to have big hands because like you just grab it and just yeah, put it in helps there. with guitar. <laughs> right? And palming basketballs because that's a thing you need in life. No, I mean, Michael Jordan definitely did something with it. He's got some big hands. Right. He's got some big hands. Okay, so what we're going to do I suppose we could put a little bit more lime juice in if we wanted to, but I'm kind of the type of person where like I look at a recipe and I look at a bunch of different recipes and I'm like, somewhere in there is the somewhere answer. in there is right. going to be what I'm happy with. Yeah. So we take the small tin, okay, put it where the big tin is. All right, I've never done this before. It's going to be fun. Move this out of the way in case things. I've get always wild. wanted to. Well, now shake a drink. Now you can do this. Okay, so. It's kind of on there, right? Right. Okay, now we're going to shake it for like 10 seconds. Okay. okay. That's awesome. <laughs> you guys are great. Probably about 10, right? Stop counting. Okay, I think we're good. All right. My hands are cold, so. And it's nice and frosty. frothy. Yeah. There we go. Okay, so these might, you'll probably be okay, but to avoid a, a weird sound it'll make, just hit the side of the tin. You'll get it to move. There you go. Okay. Okay. Now you don't have to serve, like you can put this, daiquiris are supposed to be served up, mm -hmm. but if you want ice, you can just pour it over ice. And it's summertime, so I feel like people always want their drinks a little cold. Mm -hmm. So do you want to put yours up or do you want it on the rocks? I like up is no rocks. Up no is ice. no rocks. Okay, up. Okay. So take this, okay. put it on top of the tin. Also, I really just want this. Yeah, it's pretty badass. <laughs> yeah, it is. You're going to put it on top of that big tin. Okay, which then, way? Um, the, where the coils go down. Down. Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. And you're going to pour oh, it. Oh, I see. Yep, you're going to pour it into that non-coupe glass that's a wine glass. Yep. This, gotcha. And for me, I'm just going to cheat because I want ice. So me and Dan are going to drink ones with the ice. Mmm, mm, lovely. Wonderful. Yes, you did it perfectly. Great, thanks. Mm -hmm. And then you can take this. I should have made like little lime lime strips, but I didn't. So you could just put one on the side. Yep. 
okay? See, I don't know. Like, the summertime, I'm like, everything on ice. Everything. <laughs> That's just me. Here, mm -hmm. babe, this is for you. Okay. Oh, this is great. Yes. Chris, thank you so much for coming out. This has been fun. We still got a few more things. So you're not going anywhere yet, but... Okay. All right. Cheers. 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 Take a sip. Ooh. Oh, that is delicious. I am amazing at this. Kind of insist upon itself. If this guitar itself. thing doesn't work out. Yes, you know what you're going to do next. Yeah. Kind of insist upon itself. <laughs> it, it does. <laughs> I no. agree with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am a fan. I like the strawberry. Good job, babe. Oh, that yeah. is really tasty. You yeah. could, babe. Well, good job in making it yourself. How'd it feel? Shaking the tin. That's the fun part. I love it. Right? Yep. Like, that's like the most fun part about it you're like you know what i'm just gonna do that there's a when it gets really wild and you're like three deep at the bar mm -hmm. i start like double shaking it people are like oh my god you're like just give me your money and shut up you know like just relax <laughs> they're like, like tom cruise yeah exactly oh my god all right so if i sit back here am i gonna bother the no i think you're actually good right there okay sit i'm good nice right here tall. all right chris there are you, you comfortable i am very comfortable okay so you don't have to drink that because um, I know you're not much of a drinker. Basically, that is yours. You can do whatever you want with it. Thanks. Uh, yeah, there's some water there. So don't feel stressed. Don't feel like you have to, you know, do anything. Thanks. All right. Awesome. I have relaxed. I like this. Okay. So we want to, I want to ask you uh, one more question about working with Jonathan Davis. Okay. So, um, so have you written with him or have you been uh, sort as of, well? Sort of. Not a, f well. <laughs> Or collaborating on anything? Kind of. Uh, we we messed around with stuff at Soundcheck on tour, and then after the tour, Ray and Brian and I spent about a month at my studio um, and put together <coughs> about forty pieces of music. Damn. And, yeah. Wow. And that was to send to him. He was going to do lyrics and mess around with the arrangements, and then also write music for it. And you know, and Corn. Um, had their tour like because we'd been gone for a year then corn had to go back out and all this stuff and then the pandemic happened so that's where we were i've recorded with them we did a um sort of a, a, a western blues version of um his single uh what it is okay with nick rasculinitz here in town we did it live um and uh i got to play slide guitar on it which Very is cool. cool and um we got a buddy of ours um friend of mine actually i'm i'm recommended him for it a uh, brilliant keyboardist named tyrus sass came in and played b3 i know it. tyrus he's great yeah so the funny thing is he was out with johnny lang at a theater across from the theater we were playing in like spokane washington or something oh know? my god <laughs> he, he, i got a text from him like you know during the day i just finished sound check and i got a text that was you know hey uh, I think you're next door to us, you know, and so we ended up hanging out all day. Which that is, is so funny. Yeah, yeah, he's a cool dude. He is. Yeah. But he played great on it. It was yeah. really cool. That's awesome. So it's cool that you get a chance to like kind of, it's still nice that even though you're you're playing with people, you get to do your own thing too. Yeah. Well, I, I wrote with Ray Luzier, mm -hmm. who's in that group, but he's the drummer for Corn today um awesome. we finished and i came over here you know? oh that's so, so cool yeah we do a lot of uh fun things so, yeah and yeah. you had a solo album that uh mm -hmm. came out in what 2020 2020 yeah. okay um and i think yeah. if i'm reading this correctly i just love the nation the name of it generation of vipers yeah generation of vipers i, I i've always loved 
the various uh, idioms for a multiple of a group of things, you know, mm -hmm. like the or a multiple of a particular group. So, uh, you know, murder of crows, that sort of mm -hmm. thing. And uh, generation of vipers seemed interesting because the other thing was that almost every tune has different players on it, you know, and all of them are just aces. You yeah. know, there's a tune with Chris Fraser playing drums and Trip Wamsley who plays with Tom and me in the power trip is just a unbelievable bass player mm -hmm. um, plays literally like no one else on earth and so the two of them are on that and then I have another one where listen to this line so I have one tune called uh, um, Visa do Balcon mm -hmm. which is a view from the balcony you know it, it, Nero watching Rome burn kind of thing and uh, this is all very indicative of everything going on in 2020 uh, it wasn't really a reflection of that as much as just uh I, it's 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 kind of an ominous tune, you mm -hmm. know. But it's definitely that sort of the overlords looking down at everything and just kind of not being affected by it, mm -hmm. you know. Which I think is uh, prevalent even today. Mm -hmm. So, um, but that one's great. It has uh, Brian Allen's playing upright bass on it, who plays with me in JD's band. Mm. Um, the drummer on it is Jerry Rowe, who's a session guy here, who's incredible. Um, and then the percussion on it is Tom Hurst and Nick Buda, who's also another amazing drummer. Played with Chesney, and he's like played on everyone's record, you know. So it's kind of funny because it's like, you know, most people it, it's it would cost you a million dollars to have that that rhythm section, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, and so there are a ton of stuff. I've got some other things in the works for another solo record with. Uh, you know, with again, Chris Fraser's playing on it and um, Billy Sheehan. So that's a little different from that. So it's not going to be, that was a generation of Vipers, um, you know, part one or whatever. Yeah. You know, volume one, I think, actually. Ooh, I like the um, whole volume yeah. part. Yeah. And so I was going to do volume two next, but I think volume two is going to have to be after this one that's about to happen so oh sure you know. well and you have the power triplet the power triplets yeah that's with right. tom hurst with tom hurst and trip Wamsley on bass yeah. and you know tom was just here uh three weeks ago possibly three weeks ago yeah yeah three Tom's weeks the ago best, man he was our third uh episode so this is the fifth so yeah he was here three did you get to ask any questions or just say okay go that I know, right? <laughs> no. You should read his text. It's really? <laughs> it's like war and peace. Oh, okay. And then this and this and this. It's so funny. He was great because he was, he, he made, he poked fun at himself a couple of times and he was just like, I know, I love to talk. Uh -huh. But I was like, but you're awesome. Like, you say what you want to say and we'll just go from there. But I gave him, yeah, you know, questions best, to look over and he was like, oh, I love the questions. And then uh, he's like, oh, I know, I'm jumping ahead. I'm like, no, don't worry about it. We will talk about but it. But I can go back to the subject if you want to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he's so great. But he didn't mention yeah. the power triplets. I don't think. You know what? We didn't get there. Maybe we did. You know, yeah, because we talked about it. Because he's got like that extensive career mm -hmm. of yeah. a list of people who you know. We just kind of. And I think he'll we ran out of all time. Of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were. We he, yeah, he does. He had a his, gig his, coming up. His resume is. It's always been insane. And then he moved here, and it mm -hmm. became even nuttier. You know. Well, it's like I always wonder how like 
people have so much energy and then people say that to me and I'm like I don't feel like I have a lot of energy and they're like but you do so much and I'm like I don't maybe I'm just tired I don't feel like I do it but yeah it's the same thing it's like there are some people that are just around the clock moving you know and Tom is just one of those people where I feel like he's got a lot going on I'll tell you the truth I work 18 hours a day doing what I do and I thought I was a workaholic and then I met Tom yeah. That guy works. He has, you know, at any given point, he'll have eight jobs. You yeah, know? that's crazy. Of and stuff they're that, all awesome. Uh, you know? Things that are, like, yeah. he's trying to get his attention on, you right. know? Like, yeah. so lots of things that he feels deserves uh, his attention. But going back to you, like, I know I messaged you a couple of times because uh, I work really weird hours right now. So it's like, I'm up for a little bit, and I'm like, cool, I'll send Chris a text later. And then, like, 8.30 in the morning, I'm, like, texting you, and I'm like, Oh my god, it's eight thirty in the morning. I'd been up for four hours. Ah, that's that so funny. Yeah. Well, and then Dan's the same way. Dan's always burning the candle at both ends all the time mm-hmm. between music and everything else. It's rock and Multiple roll, babe. Pro- yeah. <laughs> without drugs, without the drugs, though. Yeah. Too old. Music for that. is the drug, babe. Exactly. That's right. I'm just saying. I'm just putting that in there. But you know, like sex, drugs, rock and roll. Nowadays, it's just rock and roll. That's true, babe. Well, the sexy part too. Yeah, you're sexy, babe. Oh, thanks. All right, let's not get too weird. We're on camera. Maybe here, we'll babe. cut that right. out. I don't know. No, keep it in. Um, okay, right. so I can hold she, the camera. Right. <laughs> she said, "Keep it in." That's what she said. <laughs> oh, she come said, on! No. That's come on, Dan. No. Come on, Dan. You're insisting upon yourself, Dan. We, and we just we just took total. We just stole uh, Chris's thunder completely oh, and put it on us. God, I'm um, sorry, Chris. No, okay, so. Tom, so yeah, so the uh, the uh, God damn it, Lisa, we're gonna cut we're that talking part about out. Tom the triplet, the triplets, yes, yes, all right. Well, it's not the triplets, the power the triplets. triplets, the power triplets. Yeah, I was like, let's get it right. So, how long have you all been playing together? Since uh, I, I believe two thousand six. Okay, I think that's right, six or seven. So before you moved here, yeah, yeah, actually, you, that's true. Yeah, I was. Um, I lived in Florida at the time. Tom and I played a lot of different things together down there. And, um, you know, I had a bunch of music and we wanted to do something original together. And But what really sort of pushed it forward was I was invited to do this Guitar Hero jam, not the game, like, you know, jam with a couple of Guitar Heroes in Austin at the one of the NAMM shows there. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I went, and they needed a drummer, so I recommended Tom. Okay. And Always a good recommendation. Right. And they had a bass player. So we went, we go to this play. We played at the Troubadour in Austin. Nice. And the other two guys that were playing guitar were very loud. They're friends of mine, so I'm not going to mention any names. They were very loud. And they were playing on each other and all that. And I'm, I don't, you know, whatever. I'll, yeah. I'll hang back until I'm looked at to solo or whatever, and I'll play rhythm. It's fine. Um, but because they were loud, I stepped back towards Tom and we started playing. And the bass player was already showing signs of being pretty great. And he comes over to us. And so the three of us started playing Where's the One? Because those guys were so loud, they couldn't hear what we were doing anyway. Okay. So we were like, well, let's just play together and do weird stuff. And so we just started going. And the bass player was Trip Wamsley. And at some point, they let him have a moment and he just leveled. Oh, the place cool. with you know his amazing beautiful musicality and uh so when it was over um tom and i talked about it and we're like well let's go talk to this guy you know mm-hmm. so he was demoing at another booth 
across from where I was demoing, you know, <laughs> different amp company, you know. So on one of my breaks, we went over and talked to him for a little bit, and he was game. So we started sending tracks. You know, I sent him some stuff to play on, and uh, his version of the story is that he tried to play the worst possible things he could play on it, you know, to see if he could get fired. Oh and, and I loved it. So <laughs> he was like, and that's when I knew, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we played a gig together, and that sealed it. You know, we recorded a bunch of stuff, and you know started playing a lot and um so we did a record then called tada uh we did that in my garage on like the very first home version of pro tools the 001 little interface that was like i don't know 400 dollars or something and then um the next record after that was several years years later uh, music for the adventurous which we did when I think we did most of it after I'd moved up here. Okay. And uh, then um, the last one, High, uh, was also done here. So it was, uh, you know, it's always fun playing with those guys. We've done a bunch of gigs together. That's cool. Um, It's become more rare. Trip lives in Lake Charles, Louisiana. So it's, um, and Tom and I work constantly. So it's, I mean, Trip and I are trying to get together on some ideas right now and it's you know for me it's impossible for the next got three weeks i won't be able to even listen to some of the stuff he's saying you know it's one of those so um but uh yeah you know we we took a break and uh and now we want to you know maybe try and get together and play some more that's cool yeah that's awesome so with your solo record coming out Mm -hmm. and then the power triplets like kind of getting back together and doing some more work um that kind of leads me like and i think i know what you're going to say but i i want to ask regardless between making your own music and working with people to create your own music and then playing out with other people's music mm-hmm. do you have a preference or no. is it kind of really what's in the moment yeah no yeah. i don't i love all of it that's cool yeah i love all of it whatever that day the fact that each day brings some version of what you just described is amazing to me that's what i've always wanted that's you know, cool. I mean, that was the dream when you're 12. You right. Know? I remember yeah. my uncle took me to see The Song Remains the Same when I was a kid, and I was like, I want to be Jimmy Page, <laughs> you know? And, right. Uh, or at least do what Jimmy Page does, you right. know, which is sit around and write stuff and go out and play shows. So that's, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, is there something that you've played with all these artists and, you know, had the opportunity to write with people? Do you, do you take away something with, each person that you play with like is it always kind of a learning experience for you it's different with different people um i don't know if it's so much um in a way like when i was talking earlier about um finding a way of finding like finding myself in the thing that they do Mm -hmm. you know and, and being able to paint within their frame you know um, that's always a fun challenge because you have to kind of get inside what what their milieu is, you know, get inside what their vibe is, and and uh, and and you know you hear be true to the vibe or be true to whatever, but that is a thing, like to be mm-hmm. to be like true to what their thing is, you know. Um, so I'm sure with every single person I've ever played with, I took something from it because you. You know, even if it's just a jam where you're jamming with someone, you are making micro adjustments 
That's in true. time and in feel and inflection and intonation and stuff to you know make sure everything sounds good. You know, yeah. uh, you're kind of micro mixing on the spot. So, yeah, I don't see how you couldn't come away with uh, without collecting. You know, even if it's just a you know point zero zero one percent moving the needle forward, it's still forward. Yeah. You know, totally. and it's always important to keep moving forward. You know. Is there an artist that you appreciate more now that you didn't when you were younger? Steely Dan. Steely Dan, okay. Which is weird because I knew why I should appreciate Steely Dan when I knew of Steely Dan when I was young. Okay. And um, I never disliked them, but I had friends who had gone to music school and, you know, older people that had older than me mm-hmm. had gone to music school and, and they, you know, they all have a Steely Dan cover band or whatever, you know. Uh, every town has a group of guys that went to Berkeley or wherever, and they came home and started a Steely Dan cover band. And uh, so it was, uh, you know, there was something about that that I, I shied away from. Um, it was the tonality of it, the 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 aural uh, texture of it. I never grooved with until later. Mm. Um, and now what's funny is their engineer, Roger Nichols, has always been one of my recording heroes, just from an engineering standpoint. He's brilliant. Um, but now I really love that... I know what it is. In the 70s, a lot of things that were hits back then had a similar softness to it that, that as a kid I didn't like mm. because I wanted everything to be you know Led Zeppelin yeah. or Harder Edged or, mm-hmm. or even the jazz I listen to you know you listen to Coltrane that's not soft mm-hmm. you know it's aggressive you wanted more bite yeah more bite the tone of it had more bite to it mm-hmm. it wasn't just cushiony and pillowy weed and, music you yeah. know and that t- I thought of Celie Dan as kind of weed music you know? <laughs> um, but you know now uh, I don't know what changed I don't I, you know I'm not going to try and guess but um, I like it more. I don't. I still am not a habitual listener, but mm-hmm. if if it pops up on a something in the car or whatever, then you know I'm into it. You That's know? cool. I actually went to see some friends do a Steely Dan cover band here a few months ago, and they were fucking awesome. Oh, it's cool. You know, it was fantastic, and all of the players in that group were you know top ace yeah. guys, and and they were phenomenal. You know, so yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, the answer to that question is Steely Dan. I didn't appreciate I knew what they were supposed to be, but it didn't appeal to me when I was a kid. But now I, I, I like it. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I, I think that's an important question to ask everybody. I feel like it it kind of rings true. It just kind of shows, like, I don't know, a certain growth. I have tons of bands that, the same way. What about you, Dan? What's that, babe? Is there a band that you appreciate more now that you didn't before? I don't think I know this. Um, God. I mean, if I if I had like five minutes to think about it, there's a lot of bands that I really love now, songwriting wise, singing wise. Like I think Tom Waits was a guy that I discovered late. Hmm. Oh, I, was like, I love the, Tom Waits. He's like one of my favorites, yeah, man. For and sure. like the biggest fan that I know is now Matt Farley. I turned him on to Tom Waits, and now the guy's like loves Tom. Waits. I saw Tom Waits at the Beacon, man. But Tom Waits is one of those guys being a singer of what I am. Contradicts everything that I grew up listening to of him being like this crooked singer with crooked music, and but it's fucking perfect. That it's guy's perfect. a fucking yeah. artist. That guy's What's amazing. great about it is the character. You yep. know, mm-hmm. it's funny because I like His singers vision. that have characters. I don't like, you know, it's not that I don't like it. It doesn't appeal to me as much when someone's like this, you know, 
songstress or a song you know someone who's a, a, a male vocalist who's you know this perfect whatever you know it's i like things to have bowie is one of my favorite singers of all time but he's not what you would consider like a classic mm-hmm. a classically great singer right. right but he had so much style and, and charisma soul and charisma every note he sang had a you know you know like a purpose right like yeah yeah man it's it stuck about. somewhere like with you yeah. no i get that well so what is what is your greatest accomplishment that you feel is your greatest accomplishment to date uh, my son oh that's so that's cool. easy yeah that's not even close perfect yeah, he's, uh, and i don't know how much i had to do with it i mean he's a lot <laughs> like me but i didn't you know how old's you don't your control son that you know is that a failure yeah, we can go in a second. Oh. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, he's he's 20. He's in college. Okay. He's amazing. Does he live here? He's going to school in Alabama. So awesome. he's uh, studying biomedical engineering because, you know, he's a pretty smart kid. Um, but he's one of the sweetest people you'll ever meet. And honestly so. And uh, super considerate. I don't know where that came from. Aww. But he's just such a good dude. No, know? that's really cool. Yeah. That's cool that you say it, like, hands down the first thing. Yeah, it's not even close. That's awesome. So he doesn't play guitar. He plays drums. Okay. We have friends who are professional drummers that don't have his feel. Wow. He is, yeah. He doesn't play much anymore because he's in school. Right. But all through high school he played. And, you know, I remember he'd been playing on a drum kit for six months. He'd been playing in school band for, like, a year or two at that point. And he got his first kit. And... We're set up in my little studio, and we're playing Back in Black by ACDC, which nice. is my personal litmus test for the feel of a drummer. If you can play that song mm-hmm. exactly like the the notes are written out, yeah. but make it feel like that song is supposed to feel, you're a raging badass as far yeah. as I'm concerned. And man, he was fucking, you know, 13 years old. And, and I would That's like awesome. try to push yeah. the tempo while playing, kind of like try and play. And he was just like, "Nope, it's right here, Dad." You know, <laughs> laying back. And I was, it wasn't that I couldn't; it was that I was trying to see what he would do, and he right. didn't chase me. He was just like, "Nope, here it is." That's right awesome. There. You know, it was great. Yeah. That's a really cool thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. Seriously, it was a delight. This is this has been awesome. Um, I'm so glad that I had a chance to sit down and uh, talk with you for a minute, and uh, I think it's going to be a really great episode. I think we had some good things. Cool. I I can't wait to see what you have next. So, um, when your album comes out, we're going to be waiting for it. Great. All right. I'll send you some stuff now. Cool. You can check it out. Um, Right on. Be sure and put that pretty filter. You know, <laughs> on everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we got one of those. I use it on me good. all the time, dude. Good, good, all good, the good. time on me. Good, good. All right. Okay. Well, we'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Rock and roll. Cheers. Hey guys, you've just watched another episode of Nashville on the Rocks, and if you like what you've seen please hit the subscribe button. Thanks. We'll see you next time.